Next on Abounding Grace, be encouraged by this wonderful reality. Listen, when we give God our energy, our talents, our abilities, God will not be a debtor to us. They came from him to begin with. But he will give back to you exceedingly abundantly more than can be counted. God blesses obedience. He blesses the obedient man and the obedient woman. Even if nobody understands, everybody tries to talk you out of it, God blesses obedience. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Those of you parents, no doubt, have those times when you need to discipline your kids and you come up with a consequence for their disobedience. But don't you love those times when you can reward their obedience, maybe with a special treat? Well, today on Abounding Grace, we'll discover God loves to reward His children's obedience. That comes to our attention through a study of Daniel chapter 1, and that's where we join Pastor Ed Taylor now. Verse 15. At the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for others. The Lord blessed them and rewarded their obedient dependence. This was an obvious blessing of God. Their obedience and commitment was blessed by God. Now, it's good to be reminded that serving God requires that we do things His way. It does. It requires us to know God. It requires us to understand Him. To serve God acceptably involves doing the will of God the right way at the right time with the right motives. We don't have permission to alter the commandments of God. We don't have permission to rewrite the Bible to fit our own comfort. We don't have permission to buckle under the pressure of the culture and change the eternal decrees of God. We don't. There are consequences of obedience, and there are consequences of disobedience. You choose. There are consequences of obedience and consequences of disobedience. Of course, for obedience, we don't often think of consequences. It sounds like a negative word, but I use the same word on purpose. You could say there are benefits of obedience and there's consequences of disobedience, but I want you to know that either way, you're going to face consequences because sometimes there is consequences for obedience, painful ones. And when it comes down to a decision like this, I'm not perfect in this, but I've wanted to train myself. I want to train my kids. I want to train those I have the opportunity to teach and be a part of their lives that I would far rather endure the consequences of obedience than the consequences of disobedience. 
And those of you that have experienced the difference in your life, you understand the consequences of disobedience are far more painful and far more destructive because of our sinful decisions. Because the wages of sin is always death. So here we have, the, they do look better. Ten days later, they look better. You see, the important thing to know in the Bible is that all the way through the Bible, you will find parallel passages where God is more interested in your obedience, in your following Him, in your abiding relationship with Him, than in making sacrifices for Him. You think, well, Ed, I'm a churchgoer. Wow. You know unbelievers are churchgoers too? Did you know that? A lot of unbelievers hang out in church. Never get saved. Never deal with sin. But it feels good. And their conscience is fe It feels good to be around. You know, I love God. And really never surrender their lives. And so it's not, God is not looking for churchgoers. He's not impressed with a full building. God is not more joyful. He's not more exuberant. He doesn't love us more because 19 years ago, this church was 30 people, 30 adults, and a few kids. And now today, 20 years later, there are more people here than 30. God isn't going, oh, yay, you've done such a great job. I love you more. There's a church across the street. There's only 30 people. I don't love them very much. Just like I didn't list, used to love. It, doesn't that sound dumb? Does it, that's not God's heart. God doesn't judge that way. We judge that way. Pastors get into all that business. It's like, oh man, we got to fill the room. Hey man, that's God's responsibility to fill a room. I'm not here to fill a room. I'm here to feed the flock and to give the word of God and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and let God do what he wants to do with people. And that's one of the attributes in your church family. If you're new to Calvary Church, you got to understand the so much of what we do here as a church, we actually never see the result because of technology. Because we're just super hyper aggressive in getting the gospel outside of this building. I don't believe it's God's will for us to abandon the gathering of the saints. I don't believe it's God's will for us to abandon the times where we get to serve and sing and enjoy and get to know each other. God created the church. And I didn't. And yet he also has taught us that the church isn't confined by four walls. And so like we were talking about this today because not only do we get to benefit of, not only do we get the benefit through technology to share in the victories of people, but we also have quite a bit more of ministry to hurting people that will never, ever walk in this church. We'll never meet them by, we'll never see them until heaven. And that's it. We're just continually investing in evangelism and continually investing in how can we, how can we harness technology for the gospel of Jesus Christ? And it's not about filling this room. But if God wants to fill the room, we'll add another service. We've done that before. And if he wants to shrink the room, then we'll all go get a job. And I, what I mean by that is the men and women on staff. We all know what it's like to work. That's how we started. And, and we would serve the Lord, get a job and serve the Lord. Whatever he asked for us in these last days. Listen, the consequences of obedience, it's not making sacrifices for him, giving of your tithes, throwing up a prayer, coming to church, singing. 
God is more interested in you than what you do. Because that's where obedience flows. It flows from the heart. And God wants us to be in tune with him because then he'll lead us to what to do. You know, for the person abiding in Christ, giving is not a problem. So can I suggest to you that if you have a problem giving of your tithes and offerings, you have a problem giving of your time, you have a problem giving, and I mean you don't give, you have a problem of abiding in Christ. That's your problem. And you go, no, Ed, my problem, I ain't got no money. Okay, that's not, your problem is abiding. The spiritual side of your problem is abiding. Because even if you have a dollar, God says 10% of that belongs to him. Dollar. If you find a dollar on the street, 10% belongs to the Lord right off the bat. Not after you figure out what you want to do with it. It's right off the bat. Why? Because every good gift and every perfect thing comes from the Father above. And everything is increased to us. We've looked at that in previous studies. I was thinking about this in my own life and my own marriage because Marie and I have often had a problem in this area. I, Marie doesn't have the problem. I have the problem in this area because I love to give. That's part of my life. It's part of my nature. I'm a giving. I love to give. So I have no problem stopping by and picking up flowers or picking up chocolates or whatever. Just to give. I love you, Marie. I love you, Marie. And she looks at the flowers and I'm like, eh. Put them in a vase. And in the early days, I'm like, what's your, what this? This is a problem because I like to give flowers. Well, Marie loves to receive gifts, just not flowers. She loves to receive gifts, but certain things don't, don't matter to her. She would, much rather want, she would much rather receive from me the gift of vacuuming. <laughs> what a stupid gift that is. <laughs> but that's, she would, she would, it would be readily received from her. She would much rather receive the gift of putting the dishes in the dishwasher or keeping the house clean or... Uh, we already do our own laundry, so that was her gift to us. We do our own laundry. But, and, and I learned that. Married couples, maybe you have never read this book. You should read it. It was eye-opening to me. Uh, I think it's... Is it the five love language? Five love, langu love languages. And so Marie's love language to receive is acts of kindness, acts of things that will take a load off her. Me? Flowers. <laughs> Give gifts. And I needed to learn to adjust. But you know, that in the, in the human realm, um, think about that, how, how that would, here God, here I am, here I am, I, I'm, all, I'm lifting my hands to you. And God says, I don't want you to lift your hands to me. Obey. No, take my hands. It's easier. <laughs> I don't want to obey. I don't want to vacuum. Just take my hands. Here, I'm writing a check. I, here, here's my offering. I don't want your offering. I want your obedience. Uh, it's easier to write a check or to go online and put in the recurring gift. And it's not either or. It's like, oh, well, if I just obey, then I'll never have to give. No, 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 it's not either or. And men, <laughs> listen, if your wife doesn't like flowers, get them any way and vacuum. It's like, well, you, you just left me off the hook. I don't have to. No, no. You still continue to be who you are, but think of others more highly than yourself. That's what Jesus taught us. 
that when we go into the world and we, we are doing things and we're like, well, what, didn't I do that for you? And you're like, but yeah, that doesn't really communicate love to me. That actually communicates selfishness to me. You did what was easy for you. You did what was comfortable for you. You did what you like to do. And you, in a lot of tension in relationships is simply because that hasn't been hashed out. You haven't been honest. You haven't expressed how you feel. And so in expressing that, you begin to learn one another and you begin to serve one another. And then the Holy Spirit just fills you so that you're only thinking about one another. And now I'm finding new things that would make my wife happy. I'm not saying I'm doing them. I'm just saying I found them. (laughs) Because I have a lot of room to improve as a husband, as a dad, as a pastor, as an overseer. But you know what marks the believer is that I want to improve. I want God to show me these things. I want to grow in his grace and his knowledge. God is desiring our submission to his lordship. The grace of God, the abiding life of God does not dismiss obedience. It actually encourages obedience. I think it's back in Titus where the Bible says that grace teaches us to stay away from sin, to make decisions. The grace of God teaches us to make decisions to stay away from youthful worldly lusts and to live obedient lives. An abiding life, Daniel is right there. Daniel is right there. God is more pleased with our attitude and brokenness toward him than our outward actions with a hard heart. You don't want to be in a place where, like Saul, you do what you want to do and then offer it to God. You want to do what God wants you to do. Verse 17, God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. And when training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to the king, Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them. No one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. And whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and the enchanters in his entire kingdom. And Daniel remained in royal service until the first year of the king, or the reign of King Cyrus. Listen, as we wind down today, when we give God our energy, our talents, our abilities, God will not be a debtor to us. They came from him to begin with. But he will give back to you exceedingly abundantly more than can be counted. God blesses obedience. He blesses the obedient man and the obedient woman. Even if nobody understands, everybody tries to talk you out of it, God blesses obedience. I think of the disciples who gave their boat so that he might use it to teach from. I think of the little boy that had a few loaves and a few fish, and Jesus took it and fed thousands. And now we see these young men here tremendously blessed. They were blessed, notice in verse 20, 10 times more. 10 times more than anyone. Not only favor with God, but favor with man. The truth is that you cannot give God. Never. 
And as I recently learned, Pastor Chuck Smith, uh, our pastor, the, the man that has taught us the Bible for many years, he adopted the, the principle in his own personal life that he was determined to try to outgive God. He was determined. And from personal experience, I learned of what a giving man he is and what his heart was to give and be open to the Holy Spirit and to enjoy the fruit of the ministry. And we can do the same and we can go beyond. We can't outgive God. So listen, those of you that are younger here, those of you that even have parenting responsibilities, one of the greatest lies of the devil is try to get kids to think that if they try to serve God, you're going to be unpopular. You're not going to fit in. You're going to stand out and you're going to regret that decision. Listen, if you're at school and you stand up for Jesus, you're, you're going to lose everything. If you're at work, adult, and you stand up for Jesus, you might be fired. And while the failing and the firing and the difficulties might be true, the real lie is that if you stay quiet, all will go well. That's the real lie. So you say, well, if I speak up, I might pay a price. The real lie is, if you stay quiet, all will go well. The worst thing that can happen is that you disobey God. Say that with me. The worst thing that can happen is disobey God. Don't forget that. That's the worst thing that can happen. That's the decision that places on the path against God. That's the decision that puts us at odds with God. We are the salt and the light of the earth, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. And here before us in our study, we have four young men who stood for their God. We have four young men, you that are younger, you young men and women that took a stand for God and benefited from it. Parents, as we learned recently, the most important thing for your kids is not what school they'll go to or what career they'll be in. The most important thing for your kids is that they're in an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. That we gotta get our kids to Jesus. And the only way to get our kids to Jesus, the only way to take our kids to the cross is to be familiar with where the cross is and to be there ourselves. Because you know what? Kids are going to go where we go. They're going to follow in our footsteps. And if they perceive that the path of least resistance is following you, mom and dad, that's the way they'll go. But if they see a mom or a dad standing for what is right, doing what is hard, facing the difficulties, pressing in, enduring, it speaks volumes. Now, they may never sit down and go, you know what, Dad? Thank you for your endurance. You just, they, you may never hear that, but you can see it. You can watch it. And it's never too late to turn back. How do we get to that place of, of, of where Daniel is as a kid? Well, remember, it's a decision of purpose, met by a decision of purpose. Decisions of purpose beget more decisions of purpose. I would even dare to say that every decision we make is an intentional decision. Nobody accidentally disobeys God. Nobody accidentally. 
Now, the Bible does speak of stumbling, and, and there are times where the circumstances of our life have been set up where it's not as willful as maybe a more willful decision. I know the Bible makes those distinctions. Sin is sin. And may we just abide in Christ, because when we're in Him, we're not sinning. And that's a beautiful place to be. We're not messed up. We're not all jacked up. We're not worried. We're not fretting. We're not aching over the past, worried about. Like in Christ, we are confident. We are secure. We are comforted. We are, we are whole. We are hidden. Everything about our lives is Christ. And that's a great place to be. And may in our hearts we decide today not to defile ourselves with the world, with the world system, and the temptations of life. Daniel had a firm foundation. And we see in, by the end of chapter 1, verse 21, Daniel remained in royal service until the first year of the reign of King Cyrus. From 605 B.C. to 536 B.C., Daniel influenced this nation. Unbelievable. God used him because he purposed in his heart. Can I close with 1 John chapter 2? Would you turn there with me? 1 John chapter 2. And if today you find yourself in a place where you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you've never repented of your sins, you've never determined to follow God, today is that day. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And the things that you're living for today, the things that you're involved with today, the things that you believe are giving you purpose and meaning, you know, you know that they're not. They're giving you temporary satisfaction, temporary happiness, temporary joy. But you got to keep going. You got to keep doing it. You got to keep showing up. You got to keep going to the party. You got to keep making more money. You got to keep drinking more, smoking more, snorting more, popping more. You got to, you're, you're, it's just more, 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 more. Why? Because the stuff of this world doesn't satisfy. Notice in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 15 in First uh, John, do not love the world or the things in the world because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. Or you could say, is not of God. The stuff in this world is not of God. It's of the world. And the world is passing away. Just like the bottle empties. Just like the marijuana cigarette disappears like the brownies completely eaten, like the relationship, they run out on you. You always got to get more. It's running out. The world's passing away. We see it every day. And even the lust of it. But notice verse 17, he who does the will of God abides forever. That's where it's at, church. And may we follow in footsteps of Daniel to purpose and intentionally live our lives to please him no matter what. A good example for us to follow today on Abounding Grace. And Pastor Ed Taylor has just pointed out the rewards for doing so. His message is called The Rewards of Obedience. Hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen to us through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. 
We also offer a podcast, and look for that where you like to listen to your favorite podcasts. Each month, we try to pick out a book that we believe can be of some help to your walk with the Lord. And this month, it's Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, authored by Mark Rogop. Now, this book seeks to restore the lost art of lament and will help you discover the power of honest wrestling with the questions that come with grief and suffering. We'll send you the book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Request it right now when you call us at 877-30-GRACE. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. And please remember, we are listener-supported. Simply put, that means we look to our listeners to help us with the cost of being on the radio. Large or small, your gift will be greatly appreciated and used to point people to the abounding grace found in a relationship with Jesus and through the study of His Word. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or again, call 877-30-GRACE. We continue to live stream our services at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Watch us through our app, website, or on YouTube. That's Saturday nights at 6 p.m., Sunday mornings at 8.45 and 10.45. Study the Word in the middle of the week, too, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. We can tell you more about us at calvaryco.church. Does God have your full attention? We'll carefully consider that tomorrow on Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor begins a new chapter in Daniel. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.